2: up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
4: Okay. Okay. Pollution surrounds me. Reeking plasticity of the icing.
1: I'm Mitra Caboli. Welcome to Provincetown. Episode 3. Keep P-Town weird.
4: I miss tampon liberty, still yearning to be free of the icing. Clear water by my
1: side. People like to think that Provincetown is weird, but actually, it used to be a lot weirder. Over the summer, I took a walking tour that was marketed as the seedier history of town. One of the places the tour stopped was 9 Carver Street, where a low-key hotel bar is now. Our guide told a story about Cookie Mueller, the writer and actress most widely known for her roles in John Waters' movies. The story goes that Cookie used to walk up to patrons at the bar, pull out a straight razor, and start shaving her pussy right there in front of people. Is this art? Did it even happen? Sources tell me probably not, but I don't care. This is the freaky-deaky P-Town that I want to live in. Throughout the summer, I was devouring an oral history biography about Cookie called Edgewise, and I became a little bit obsessed with her. Cookie followed no map, taking her life one day at a time from one location to the next. And one of those locations was P-Town. This is Cookie reading one of her essays at the Poetry Project in 1981.
5: Okay. Okay. I'm going to read this one. It's another Christmas story. And it's Provincetown. When I lived in Provincetown, 1970.
1: While in P-Town, Cookie reached local celeb status, maybe the it girl of the 70s. She and her friends lived typical artist lives, day by day, figuring out how they're going to get high and how they're going to feed themselves. She was incredibly creative and resourceful. Maybe she wasn't good at the boring parts of adult life the dishes, the metaphorical paperwork. But P-Town was a place that you didn't have to be. She had cheap housing and cobbled her living together by working at the fish canning factory and doing other odd jobs.
5: There were seven of us that lived in that clapboard house that had been great in the summer. But now the wind ripped through the shabby insulation and the toilet was frozen. And we could see our breath in vapor.
1: One Christmas, everyone pulled their food stamps to buy lamb roast. They had a huge party and fed all their friends in town.
5: The party turned out so well, and everyone was so happy and stuffed and said there had never been another like it. And believe it or not, only one of us
1: had to go to jail. Cookie and her friends took such good care of each other. And 50 years later, that was the P-Town I was looking for. A place where you could come, just as you are, and figure it out. For better or worse, P-Town is not that place anymore. I heard so many stories that illustrated precisely how difficult it is to live here. I interviewed one person who lived out of her car for an entire summer. I heard stories about workers who had to move elsewhere because they literally couldn't find a place to live. While I was in town, several year-round workers were evicted from their apartments. But there's an early contingent of weirdos who had the foresight and means to buy houses when they were cheap. And they are of a very lucky class. One of those people is Jay Critchley.
4: I didn't think of myself as a weirdo. I mean I knew I was different. That word weirdo, I don't even know where that word came. You're really focusing on that word. It's like it feels so antiquated.
1: Jay's a conceptual artist who bought his house in the late seventies. I mean,
4: if I just look at my neighborhood, like my house is the only place I think In the whole entire neighborhood that has not been gentrified or torn down and rebuilt or, you know, condoed or this is the, I'm the last holdout here.
1: This isn't exactly true. My co-producer Emily lived around the corner from Jay in a very old house. I was looking
6: forward to the beautiful nature P-Town had to offer, but I didn't realize that would include my apartment. I lived in a basement so dank that mold grew on my shoes overnight On windy days, the door would fly open, letting in the rain and all sorts of critters. One night, I had a slumber party with a tiny frog. I'll let Emily take it from here. I could ask Jay about anything. The first time I interviewed him, we launched right into his daddy issues.
4: So uh, you're asking about my father? Well, no, I'm still curious about the
6: the strap and how, why was that like such a big deal?
4: Because it was something that had never, ever been mentioned a part of my body that was never talked about.
6: All summer, Jay was extremely kind and generous with his time. We had a standing Wednesday date. I'd show up at his house around noon. Hi, I'm recording. He'd offer me a glass of water. No ice, please. Okay. Thank you. Maybe a sun-warmed cherry tomato from his garden. We'd sit in his backyard, exhale, listen to the birds, express our gratitude for summer. Ah, oh, The weather.
4: Well, this is what we dream about, isn't it?
6: And then we dive into whatever I wanted to know, like what Provincetown was like in the
4: 70s. The town was a wonderful, run-down place. Inexpensive, lots of opportunities to rent and work and, and collect unemployment in the winter and be able to survive and start painting, start writing.
6: For over 45 years, Jay has been doing his thing in Provincetown. I can't picture him living anyplace else.
4: I miss tampon liberty, still yearning to be free of the icing.
6: This is footage of Jay in 1989 from a documentary called Provincetown, USA. The film captures the town when it was cheaper and weirder. Jay's wearing a gown made out of hundreds of tampon applicators that he found on Provincetown beaches.
4: Someone said, do you know what those are? I'm like, no. Don't. Our planet we must treat with pride. Let freedom ring.
6: The gown is kind of beautiful. It's draped like a caftan covered in faded pink and white applicators to look like fringe. There's a matching tampon crown and torch, a tribute to the Statue of Liberty. A crowd has gathered around Jay.
2: Halloween! <laughs>
5: Take him Does out on Halloween. Been? He knows.
6: Everybody there thinks the tampon gown is gross.
4: Well, pollution's very gross. I didn't invent them, and I didn't put them on the beaches.
6: As a protest against plastic waste, Jay wore his tampon drag all over the place, including the Massachusetts State House.
4: If I have one dream before I die is to go back to the state house wearing my gown and listening to the sound of the rustling of that gown in that marbled hall. It was angelic. This
6: is Jay's art to a T. He collects stuff, usually someone else's garbage, and then turns it into something to get a reaction out of people.
4: <laughs> a number of people when I first started said to me that I was like a fraud. Like, this was, like, I was trying, I was playing a joke on them. You know, is this art? Like, you know, what is this?
6: (laughs) But Jay never listened to the critics. He's been doing it his way for decades. The first time I went over to his place, it was clear I was entering a kind of museum. And not just because he has a self-portrait on display in his yard.
4: Well, there's stuff everywhere, fodder for the brain, fodder for the creative impulses.
6: There's so much stuff on Jay's tiny patch of land. It almost looks like a junkyard. But these are his treasures. Old Provincetown relics, materials for his art, dried out Christmas trees, a statue of St. Francis, a melted computer, a giant orange pyramid-shaped buoy.
4: Technically, they're called tetrahedrons. Isn't that a great word?
6: Looking around, I see an old station wagon I had completely missed at first glance. A jockstrap hanging on a clothesline. But Jay's favorite thing is underground.
4: Hear ye, hear ye, hear ye, children of the universe.
6: So one day when I show up, he has a ceremony planned for me. With a bell in hand, Jay ushers me towards the entrance of his septic tank.
4: We will take you down and share the deep secrets, the deep secrets of the universe, the deep secrets of the underground. How did this happen to be in my yard? (laughs) I mean, this is a gift from the universe. Open up the portal to divine intervention.
6: The entrance of the tank is not much wider than my torso. Tell me what, what I should do. do, you, do
4: you wanna, well, you want to go in and just sit and, and vibrate a little?
6: Yeah, okay. I lower myself in and sit on a crate. I should say the septic tank is not full of shit. Anything that was once there has been washed away.
4: It's circular. It's like a beehive shaped. Yeah.
6: Inside, it's like a hollowed out sphere five feet tall by six feet wide with stacked cinder block walls and a sandy floor. The air is very still and there are bugs crawling everywhere. I hate bugs. I don't know. I can feel Jay looking down at me, waiting for my reaction. To buy time and gather my thoughts, I run my fingers across some wind chimes hanging in front of my face. You know, I feel like... Like, my heart is racing a little bit.
4: What's the anxiety? What are the thoughts about it?
6: Well, you know, it's grave-like. The first anxiety is the bugs. And then it's like such a small opening. I could get out, but... Maybe it's like an automatic feeling of just being with yourself. Mm
4: -hmm.
6: Do you sit right here?
4: It depends. I I've slept in there. Um, initially, I had a bed. I've slept in here. <laughs> Do
6: you feel like you ha- you experience ego death when you're in here? Okay, now I'm reaching.
4: I wouldn't put it that way. I think I experience joy and it lifts me up in a way. How, how? By being down.
6: Jay first cracked open a septic tank in the '90s. Real estate prices were rising in town, so he advertised his hole in the ground as a septic summer rental. It's hard to tell if this is art, a joke, or both.
4: I relate to the dirt. Why? Well, isn't that one of those existential questions? Why? Being underground is just bringing me closer to the source.
6: What is the source?
4: That's what I'm trying to figure out.
6: From what I can tell, Jay's been on a long journey to figure things out. He grew up in a large Catholic family where searching for existential meaning wasn't exactly an encouraged activity. He says his dad mainly wanted to have kids to create souls for heaven.
4: And my father said, I've never had to find myself. Why do you have to find yourself? Well, it takes all of us a certain amount of time and effort to realize Who we are, what our identity is, what kind of voice we have, and what is our truth. I mean, when I moved to Provincetown, I was married to a woman and I didn't know I was gay or an artist.
6: After about a year living in town, Jay split with his wife and began to explore his sexuality.
4: You know, you think, oh, Provincetown. Oh, what a great place to come out, right? Oh, everyone, you know, no, I was, like, feeling like, oh, my God, like I'm in a fishbowl, right? It took me years to even say I was gay. I was afraid of going to hell. I was afraid of my own emotions, the the depth of the fear that I had about about crossing that line. So... It was really about four years after I started the process of coming out as a gay man that I realized I was an artist, and that was my, my voice, that was my true identity. And it just felt like this metamorphosis that happened with me, and it just felt like being born again, literally. That's what it felt like.
6: And 40 years later, he seems to be at peace. And his life is very chill. I see him every week, and I have to say he never seems to be in a rush. It's not that he has zero responsibilities. His job all summer is organizing a big fundraiser called Swim for Life. It started as a way to raise money for an AIDS coalition. Now it supports a few different organizations in town. And it takes a lot of work for Jay to pull off, preparing for hundreds of people to come to P-Town and safely swim along the shore wrangling volunteers, registrations, changing tents, catering. But overall, Jay's life feels leisurely, comfortable.
4: Nice oh, gorgeous.
6: One week, I join him on his daily swim and watch as he inspects the elements around him.
4: You can see all the erosion that's happening here. Look.
6: He picks up a jagged piece of glass and tells me that it came from a building that used to house workers at the P-Town Inn. It burned down decades ago and fragments of it have been tossed around on the shoreline. Suddenly I notice dozens of glass shards embedded in the wet sand under my feet. I freeze in place. Meanwhile, Jay's running around and picking them all up.
4: Look at this. This is I mean, this is the kind of pieces of glass. Look at I have a whole I have a whole bag already. Okay, we're not having-
6: More fodder for the artistic impulses, I guess. And that's the point. Jay has time to ponder, look around, and let the inspiration come to him. But that's not the case for everybody.
0: I will say yes to everything. Am I tired? I don't care. Am I hungover? I don't care. I want to perform.
1: After the break... We catch up with Kaya Kristall and see what it takes to be the it girl of P-Town in 2021.
0: It wasn't my best. It was fine.
1: It's a Tuesday night at the beginning of July, and I'm with Kaya Kristall, the singer we met in episode one. She's out of breath from her first gig, and now we're headed to her studio to get changed for the next one.
0: We're just, we've been, every time I just keep thinking, like, damn, we really have not had a break since May 29th. None of us. And most of us are singing two or three or four shows every week. And like, I mean, it's totally doable, but it's also like, I want to go out and party and I want to go out and have fun with my friends.
1: One of the first things I noticed about P-Town is how stark the contrast is between the workers and vacationers. A lot of workers are from other countries, like Jamaica or Bulgaria, juggling multiple jobs with little time to enjoy the summer. What's it like to watch people feel entitled to enjoy themselves at all costs for months on end? when you don't even have one day off a week.
0: You know, I, I guess at some point something's got to give.
1: We are inside Kaya's crammed little studio now. Makeup is on every surface. There's only one chair to sit in. The other is broken. She has exactly 26 minutes until her next gig. Uh,
0: Okay, oh my God, you know what? I have time to do my nails. Uh...
1: Kaya is an AliExpress aficionado. After placing an order two months ago, she just started getting tons of new clothes and accessories in. Oh, they're so pretty. So you only do press-ons? Yeah. I've actually
0: never ha- had acrylics before. No, I'm saving them for my wedding day. I don't know why, but for some reason, that's just, like, a deal I made with myself. I was like, I want to wait until I get married, and then I'm going to get these really, really pretty, like, French tip acrylic nails. It's going to be fabulous.
1: That's like a funny, like, I'm until marriage. Yeah, most people wait to have sex. I wait to put on acrylics. Why not? After she changes outfits, we only have a few minutes left to spare. No time for nails today. Yeah.
0: Woo! Woo! All right, okay, we can hit the high C. Um, I think that's it. Okay.
1: And with that, we are out the door again. You
0: come home too. Spirit of great-grandmother, spirit of grandmother, I invite you into my body, use me at your will, I breathe you in, I breathe out the negativity, (sighs) that's gonna be a great fucking show.
1: A few days later, I head back over to Kaya's studio in the morning to see if I can get some dedicated time with her before she has to go to work. Do you have a day off? No. You, you like, when was the last time you didn't have to work or perform?
0: Before May 29th. I was booked every day last month in June. And I was really happy, or I should have been, but right at the beginning of the month, my grandmother passed away.
1: It was the beginning of the summer season. Kaya's winter savings had dwindled, and she was already booked for back-to-back gigs.
0: So I was like, okay, you know what, that happened. I'm going to push that off to the side and not worry about it and not think about it and not deal with it.
1: She sent flowers, but otherwise kept it moving.
0: And then last week, or the week before, her obituary came in the mail. My mom sent it to me, and I stupidly opened it up And when I should have just put it away and and waited until now, when I actually have time to like think about it and and, and grieve and deal with it. And I, but instead I was like, well, let's just see what it looks like. And then I opened it up and I just lost my mind, I guess.
1: Kaya is sitting on the floor of her studio, surrounded by bins of clothes, looking for the pamphlet from the funeral. Oh, maybe she's hiding. I don't know.
0: You're looking for a photo. Oh, there she is. There she is. That's her. Willie Mae Walker, born September 6, 1938. But she's the reason why I do what I do, to be honest. She's the reason why. And she always said, she was like, if when I die, y'all better have a colored obituary and it's going to be nice paper and I want pictures in it. Because she was that uh, grandma, for lack of a better term. You were that bitch.
1: When was the last time that you were like physically with your grandmother?
0: Oh my God, like 12 years ago. Yeah, she was one of those people that like whenever I was playing with Barbie dolls as a kid and my you know, cousins and stuff would try to make fun of me, she would be like, uh-uh, nope, let him play. If he wants to play with Tonka Trucks, he can play with Tonka Trucks. If he wants to play with Barbies, let him play with Barbies. Don't make fun of him. Let him be. And she was one of the only people that said that out of my whole family. So I was like... With Barbies, I could create a whole storyline. Like I was that I was that kid. I was like, "This is Barbie, and she's uh, a lawyer that's been working for twenty-seven years with this law firm, who's going home to her husband Ken, who's a stay-at-home dad, and made he burnt the biscuits." So I would have entire episodes in my head.
1: Why didn't you take a day off? Early I day off with
0: my mom. when my grandmother passed. I didn't take a day off because I didn't have a day off to take. And I grew up with the mentality that nobody cares if you're sick. Nobody cares if you're sad. Nobody cares if you are, you know, bleeding out your ass. What they care about is can you perform? And if you can perform, can you perform well? And you can't plan for, you know, somebody going on to glory But I still had all these commitments, and I was like, I have to honor them because that's who I am as a person. I'm not going to not do it.
1: Kaya has visited her family in Missouri once since moving away 11 years ago. Money plays a role in that, but I feel like maybe she's also afraid to show her family who she is now, a non-binary drag performer living at the end of the world. And I also knew that my mom was dealing with a
0: lot of the pressures because— Everyone else was just a wreck. They were destroyed because she is the matriarch of our family, and my mom is the oldest sister, and so that all basically went on her and i don 't want to think about it because i don't have time and that 's been my whole story is i don't i don't have time i don 't have time to- i don't have time. I have way too many other things that I need to be doing and I have way too many other people that are counting on me so I don't have time.
1: Bakaya hasn't had a day off in all of June and she probably won't have one for two more months. It just doesn't feel fair. Here I am with nothing to do but pry into people's lives all summer long. I'm working but like tens of thousands of other vacationers who flock to P-Town. I'm also going to the beach eating ice cream and french fries. Jay Critchley He's, of course, planning the Swim for Life fundraiser. But he also has time to relax, to swim, to make art, to enjoy his time here. The main reason he can have this comfortable life is because he owns his own home.
4: I just remember um, in the 80s realizing that the real estate prices were starting to rise. And uh, it it became clear to me at that point that that this was a trend that was going to really continue.
1: By this point, Jay and his then-partner had already purchased their house. They bought it in the late 70s for just under $40,000. Although they had some help with the down payment, it was still pretty easy to get by from there. To make the mortgage, they rented out rooms in the house. Over the summer, Jay worked in a restaurant and picked up other gigs. In the winter, he'd collect unemployment, and that was enough.
4: A lot of the people that worked there were artists or people that, you know, came to Provincetown because it was a cheap place to come, and it was a gorgeous place. And I I think in the 80s was the last time that you could fully be here as an artist and, and survive.
1: These days, you'll be lucky if you can find a place to sleep. I've heard rumors that Kaya has a precarious housing situation. I've asked her about it a few different times, and she's always cagey. Where I live
0: is a an interesting space. We'll call it that. And there are certain things that can and cannot happen in this space. Even though it has its restrictions about, you know, having to have lights out at like 10 p.m. And having to make sure that you are showing that you are still working actively in town.
1: I have a sneaking suspicion that Kaya lives in her studio, the place where she gets ready for her shows and keeps all her outfits. But it's really small, and I don't see any place where she could sleep, unless it's on a pile of her clothes. Do you live in, like, a house or an apartment? Yes. Yes. For all
0: intents and purposes and legal reasons, yes. I'm very fortunate and very grateful that I found a housing situation that worked out for me, and those of us that can find it, hold on to it for dear life.
1: A lot of people I've interviewed have referred to their housing situation as lucky or fortunate. Kristen, who runs Summer of Sass, charmed her way into a year-round rental. Sonny, from episode one, found his place by putting a call out on Grindr. But I have to say, wherever Kaya lives, it doesn't feel that lucky to me. What do you like love about P Town? Like what keeps you here?
0: I am a double Pisces and I love the water. (laughs) So the fact that I can just literally like the ocean is like five minutes away in any direction in this place is just to be able to go down to the beach and sit down and which I've done. Well, you know what? I have not actually gotten to go and sit down on the beach and just breathe in the ocean air. I have not gotten to do that this season because I've just, I haven't had time. I just realized I have not actually done that yet.
1: Because most nights, she's singing to crowds of tourists, trying to put on a show better than the last, turning her grief into something for the audience.
2: You know...
0: I, I now have the spirit of my great-grandmother and the spirit of my grandmother
1: coursing through my veins at this very moment. And I can say
0: that I'd like to think she's proud of the person I am. But I am proud to stand before you as a black, Non binary person, but comfortable with myself. And she'd be like, Girl, going up, cut out that crying right now. She never wanted to be sad. So, in honor of my grandmother, Grandmother Willie Mae Walker, this is for you, baby. Let's kick.
1: One day, I noticed a picture of Cookie Mueller hung on the wall of Kaya's studio. It was a postcard from the John Waters film Female Trouble. Cookie is on the far right, with Divine and Susan Walsh next to her. They all have big teased hair and thick eyeliner. It was like some meta P Town It Girl moment. All summer, Cookie had a way of popping up in unexpected places. At a spaghetti dinner, I met some people who know her longtime girlfriend. Someone told me that her son painted their deck. Her biography was stocked in the library, guiding me. I would study the pictures, looking for clues to figure out exactly where they were taken. But I think the P-town that Cookie lived in isn't so easy to find. Coming up on Welcome to Provincetown. Circuit week is all about
0: how fit and trim and slim and muscle defined and veiny and speedos and harnesses and jock straps and nobody eats. I mean, eating is not, I mean, absolutely not.
1: The circuit queens are coming to town and chaos ensues.
3: Fuck, I hate it here. I need to leave. I hate this so much. Ugh, gay culture is... Awful.
1: They stole your duct tank idea?
0: Can't be proven.
1: I am so fucking annoyed. (laughs) Welcome to Provincetown was created by Roomtone and Rococo Punch. It's produced by me and Emily Foreman in association with Stitcher. Story editing by Gianna Palmer at Witness Docs. Charlotte Livingston is our production assistant. Bart Tochi, help with fact-checking. Editorial advising on this episode from Tyler Morse, Audrey Quinn, Cassie Wagler, Chloe Griffin, and Max Mueller. Big thank you to my CUNY J-School audio documentary class for helping workshop this episode. Our executive producers are Jessica Alpert and John Perotti at Rococo Punch, and Ben Riskin and Bianca Grimshaw at Room Tone. Camille Stanley is the executive producer of Witness Docs, and Casey Holford is the technical director. Footage of Cookie Mueller recorded and shared with permission from the Poetry Project. Special thanks to filmmaker Seth Rolbein for letting us use sound from his film Provincetown, USA, and Sylvion Consulting for their feedback on this podcast. If you want to see pictures from our summer in P-Town, follow us on Instagram, at Rococo Punch. Thanks for listening.
5: That's the
4: skills from the movie.
5: Can you get a better quality? There's no
4: better quality, oh, quality. than this, honey. Oh, it's film. That's film. Yeah, you're next to quality, honey. You know
5: it. I mean the quality of you know <laughs>
6: yeah,
4: those. You know <laughs> these, <laughs> they <things laughs> sent me <laughs> these. This is a horror movie I was in in uh, 1982. <laughs>
5: Here in drag. There I grass. am in drag. Yeah. And Clyde That's Shelby, okay. famous yes, You look beautiful. Thank, thank you. you, thank you.
4: And there I am putting on lipstick. That's before I get bitten on the neck by a vampire. Let me see. Yeah, look at that. The hands.
5: What movie? What's the movie? The Brides
4: of Johnny and Monsterland. <laughs> and you can get it. It's a cult film.